Sister Emily. We pass them out if we can, save on postage. Sister Emily will be right down here. She's got them with her. If you're interested in getting your 2021 giving report, please see her and she'll get that to you. All right, if you didn't give, you probably won't have one. Amen. Acts chapter number 12. That was deep, wasn't it? That was deep. Um, I was joking with the Brother Watson's church last night. Um, while you're turning to Acts 12, uh, I said, you know, you know you're preaching for a good friend when uh, he says, what are you doing tomorrow, preacher? And I said, well, what you want to do? I said, I'm planning on studying tomorrow morning. I got to get my Wednesday night message up. Uh, Tuesday morning, because I'm going to be on the road all day Wednesday. I said, but I'm free after lunch. What you want to do? He said, well, I got a heifer I want to sell. I'm going to take her to the sale. You want to go? I said, man, yeah. So we went, ate some catfish, and we went to a cow auction, sat there for three hours and watched them sell cows. And I loved every minute of it. I love the smell of it, just the smell, the sounds. And that auctioneer, boy, he was letting it roll. And uh, I wasn't stressed out because I wasn't buying or selling. I was just watching. But we had a good time. I said, you know you're with a friend when you, when you go preach a revival for somebody and they take you to a cow cell for three hours. That's, that's a friend right there. Amen. Are you in Acts 12? Stand with me, please. I have preached from this chapter several times in the last few years, but we're going to preach from it again tonight. Brother Jeff Ledbetter preached out of this chapter on Monday night, a completely different thought, completely different verses now my Bible was open and as he was going through some of these verses, some of the stuff started jumping off the page at me. I had to be careful not to get distracted while he was preaching, which it happens sometimes when somebody's preaching. There's two kind of preachers that make me want to preach, them that can and them that can't. And Brother Ledbetter can preach, amen. And so when he's preaching, I'm just, my mind's just racing. I could not wait to get in my Bible on Tuesday morning and get this message up. And it's been burning since yesterday morning. So I'm going to preach to you Brand new message God gave me yesterday out of Acts chapter number 12, verse 1. Now about the time that Herod the king stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church, and he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword, and because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread, and when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison. Prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. When Herod would have brought him forth, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself, bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he said unto him, Cast thy garment about thee and follow me. And he went out and followed him. And wist not that it was true, which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. When they were past the first and second ward, they came into the iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened uh, to them of his own accord. And the Bible says in verse number 10 that they went out, and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. Look at verse 11. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel, and hath surely 
uh, delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. Look at verse 12. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of gathered together praying. Is that what your Bible says? And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to, to hearken and uh, named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate. I'm playing musical chairs up here with these microphones while I'm trying to read my text. And I think I just disconnected. The, there we go. Take that right there for me. All right. Am I on now? There we go. Where we at? Rhoda. Bible says that uh, the young lady's name was Rhoda in verse number 13. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. And they said unto her, Thou art mad. But she constantly affirming uh, that, uh, affirmed that it was even so. Then said they, It is his angel. But Peter continued knocking. And when he had opened the door, they saw him and they were astonished. We're going to stop right there for the sake of time. I want to preach tonight out of verse 5 mainly, but we're going to look at this whole story. Bible says that prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. I want to preach on persistent praying tonight. Persistent praying. We've got some things in this chapter God showed me I can't wait for you to see. And so let's pray together. Lord, help us now as we turn our hearts and our minds to the Word of God. I pray that you would give us liberty and power. And Lord, I know the devil's already fighting this message or this microphone's having to give us any trouble at all. So I started reading my text. But Lord, I know the devil don't want God's people involved in persistent praying. So I pray that you teach us something tonight that help us in our Christian life start the year out good and strong in our prayer life. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. <clears throat> I was reading this chapter <clears throat> several times on, Wednesday, on, on Monday night. Uh, and then on Tuesday morning, just begin to read it and reread it. And it's amazing to me, the Bible is so alive. And when you read it, how much you can learn if you'll just slow down and read it. And don't, don't, don't read the Bible with a preconceived idea of what you remember it saying before or what somebody told you it said. Just read it, amen, and let the Bible speak to your heart. And the Bible says in verse number five that while Peter was in prison, Prayer was made without ceasing of the church. Now, I don't know how they did that. We've here at our church, we've several times, we've organized a prayer chain where people can sign up to pray for 15-minute segments throughout the day. And we started so there's prayer around the clock. I doubt very seriously that they went to the trouble to get on the computer and print out some sort of a prayer chain. What I believe was that there was somebody in that church praying at all times. That's what it means. They were praying without ceasing. Some probably prayed more than others, but there was a continual giving of, of prayer to God about this particular situation. And the thing that really stood out to me, and really, I've really got two messages rolled into one. I've got a four-point introduction, and then I've got four main points I want to give you, because the, 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 the fact that they prayed under the conditions that they were praying under is what really got my attention. So we're going to look at this message, really, it's kind of got two parts. By way of introduction, we're going to look at some things that, that the conditions that they were praying under. And the only reason why I felt like it was important to expound these points is many times we think, well, there's just no sense in praying. There's no, there's no reason to pray. There's no point in praying. Things are too bad or things are out of hand or whatever the case might be. But we see in this passage of Scripture that these people were praying under some very difficult circumstances. Let me give them to you tonight. Number one, they prayed in spite of the excruciating casualties 
that they had faced as a church. The Bible tells us in verse one and two about that time Herod the king stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church, verse two, and he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Could you imagine how heavy our hearts would be tonight if one of our church members, one of, one of our leaders and our staff members had been uh, uh, martyred right just that week or that day. Could you imagine coming together and that heaviness and that, that weight that would be on our shoulders and they were experiencing a severe loss. The morale at this point in this church had to have been, humanly speaking, at an all-time low and their loss had to have been overwhelming, but that did not stop them from praying. James was killed. No doubt they prayed for James to not be killed and he did get killed. I'm sure that in the process of time between his arrest and him being killed, I'm sure people was praying that God would spare him and they were offering up prayers for God to deliver him and God in his providence did not choose to do that and God allowed him to be taken, allowed him to be martyred and yet they continued to pray in spite of the excruciating casualties that they had encountered. Can I say something to you tonight? If you can help, if you can help me, I'm gonna to try to preach this passage of scripture, preach the message, preach the context, but I want you to think about present day application while I'm preaching. Because we as a church in 2021, though maybe personally as a congregation have been spared maybe excruciating casualties, I think we would all agree that in the last year or so that we've seen the people of God, the church of the living God, we've seen the attacks of Satan and we have seen some excruciating casualties and it's very demoralizing. It is demoralizing. We see excruciating casualties. They prayed in spite of that. Number two, they prayed in spite of the escalating conflict. It didn't end in verse number two with James being killed with the sword. The Bible says that when he saw that it pleased the Jews, talking about Herod, that he proceeded further. You ought to underline that, that he proceeded further. And by the way, the devil and the world and the adversaries of God's people will always proceed further, okay? Your flesh will always proceed further. The devil will always proceed further. The world will always proceed further. Amen, and I could stand up here for another hour and expound that point where the abortion crowd used to, it was all about keeping people from having abortions in the back alley with a coat hanger. Now they're all the way okay with them having an abortion after the baby's born, which ain't abortion, that's cold-blooded murder. Which all of it's cold-blooded murder, but I mean it's cold-blooded calculated murder when a baby's born and he's laying on the table and the doctor has a conversation with the mama, decide whether or not they're gonna care for him or put him over here on the shelf and let him die. It always proceeds further. We can all remember when the homosexual crowd, they just wanted what we do in our bedroom ain't nobody's business. And now they're shoving their transgender same-sex marriage down our throats. Every television commercial, every program, every movie, every five minutes are shoving it, shoving it, shoving it down our throats. What they're proceeding further, that's what they're doing. The church of the living God is under attack and it's not gonna get any easier and it's not gonna let up. It's gonna just keep escalating and it's gonna keep escalating. It started with Herod stretching forth his hand to vex certain of the church, but that did not satisfy his thirst for blood, did it? He saw it pleased the Jews, so he proceeded further. I'm telling you tonight, the devil and the world, the opposition will not be satisfied with one casualty 
They want us all gone. They're not satisfied with how many churches shut down in the last two years. They want us all shut down. They're not satisfied with how many so-called Christians got out of church in the last two years. They're not satisfied with how many people have now interpreted church as live stream. They're not satisfied with how many churches have gone out of business and shut their doors. They're not satisfied with how many missionaries have had to come off the field because they couldn't stay on the field and support. The support was dropped. They're not satisfied with those casualties. They're going to keep escalating the conflict until every single one of us are out of church. Churches are shut down. That's their goal. That's their goal. You know I'm telling the truth. And, 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 and the media... I have to be careful I don't get on hobby horses up here. Guess who the media blamed for the backlog on I-95 for 24 hours? They blamed the governor that hadn't even been sworn in yet. They blamed the man that ain't even in office yet for the fiasco that happened in Virginia. And the media is, 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 a, is part of contributing to the undermining of any integrity in our society. And they're against the church, they're against God's people, they're against the Bible, they're against everything we stand for. And they're getting bolder by the day. Bolder by the day. They will continue to escalate. They will not stop till they've silenced every single God-called preacher. I did an interview with a man last week for an hour and a half on a podcast. He put it on Facebook. Facebook took it down. Unbelievable. And I was nice. I was walking the tightrope because I didn't want it to get taken down, but they took it down. I might as well just say what I wanted to. Thirdly, write this down. They prayed in spite of the excessive confinement. You want to talk about over the top, over the top. The Bible says that Peter in verse number five was kept in prison. The Bible says in verse number four that we need to apprehend him. He put him in prison. That wasn't enough. That wasn't enough. The Bible says he delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him. A quaternion is, is four. So four quaternions is 16 trained military warriors that they put this one preacher under 16 soldiers. And that ain't where it ends. I'm talking about excessive confinement, okay? I'm talking about they were so intimidated. They were so scared of Peter that they made him sleep between two soldiers chained to them. Does that sound a little excessive to you? Does that sound a little over the top to you? I mean, the guy's a fisherman, okay? He's not a judo uh, expert. He's a fisherman and he's a preacher. And they put him in prison and appointed 16 soldiers to watch him and made him sleep between two soldiers with chains on his hands. A little much. Peter was in prison. His ministry opportunities were limited. His ability to preach was inhibited. His influence was minimized, but that was not enough. They weren't just content to get him off the street. They wanted his life to be hell on earth, and they made his life as miserable as they could. And the point that I'm trying to make is these were the kinds of circumstances that the church continued and persisted to pray without ceasing. Most people would have just said, man, ain't no point in praying. I mean, what are we praying for Peter for? He's got 16 soldiers around him. Let's just be honest. Most of us would have said there's no point in praying. He's sleeping between two soldiers. He's chained to them. What's the point? But they kept praying, and they kept praying, and they kept praying. 
You wonder why they would designate so much manpower to just one preacher. Because this wasn't just one preacher. This was a preacher that was filled with the Holy Ghost and preached one message in Acts chapter number 2 and 3,000 people from 16 different countries got saved. And a church went from 120 people in the upper room in chapter 1 to 3,120 in chapter number 2. And then just a couple chapters later, another 4,000 got saved. The church was exploding. And this preacher had already been beat a couple times. And he's the one that said, he says, better for me to obey God than man. And they kept telling him, you can't preach in his name. And he said, I'm going to preach as long as I'm alive. As long as I've got breath, I'm going to keep preaching. And they put him with 16 soldiers trying to shut him down because they was intimidated by this man of God that had a backbone about that big around. This wasn't the same Peter standing by the fire saying, I don't know him. This ain't the same Peter that girded his fishing coat around him and jumped out of the boat because he was fishing naked. This ain't the same preacher. There was something happening in Acts chapter number two. It changed this old boy. Hey Amen. There's people lined up on the sidewalk just hoping his shadow would fall over them so they could get healed. Come on now. Excessive confinement. Keep stifling, they just keep stifling, they just keep stifling, they just keep trying to choke us down. It's all by design. Well, number four, they prayed in spite of the expected collapse of the church. The Bible tells us in verse number 11 that Peter said, God hath sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation." of the people of the Jews. Well, what were they expecting? Well, they was expecting with James dead and Peter dead that the whole outfit would just fall apart. That's what they were expecting. They were expecting to see the church just collapse, just implode. They was expecting that to happen. And Peter said, I know God delivered me not only from the hand of Herod, but he delivered me from the expectation of the Jews. They want to see the church gone, wiped out. But guess what? Church kept praying. Does that sound familiar in, in ways? Does it sound similar to the, to the conditions that we need to be praying under tonight? Our country is a Marxist socialist country. We're not headed that way. We're there. We're full-blown Marxists in this country. And, 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 and freedom of speech is gone. It's out the window. When you've got state senators and when you've got United States representatives that are being banned off of social media platforms for copying and pasting information off a CDC website, you've got some serious problems. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I have to be careful not to get distracted. I have to be careful not to get distracted, but the church and the people of God and anybody that stands for anything that stands for common sense or truth or right, we're all under attack. And we, as a church, have to keep praying. We can't stop praying. That's the point I'm making. We have to keep praying. Their plans, the Bible says his plans, when he killed Jews, he saw, he killed James in verse three, he saw that it pleased the Jews, Herod did. So what did he do? His plans in verse four was to bring Peter to the people. Same thing Pilate did. What shall I do? Had Jesus out there in front of the whole city. What should I do? I've already, I've already examined him. I find no fault in this man. What should I do? Give us Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. Shall I give you Barabbas or should I give you Jesus? That's what the same thing Herod was doing. And he was trying his best to win popularity with the people because he knew what they wanted. They wanted the church collapsed, gone. It was a threat to their religion. It was a threat to everything that they've ever done. The church was a threat. 
The church is a threat today to the world and everything they stand for. Well, let me give you now the meat of the message. That was the introduction. Four things that happens when we practice persistent praying. Four things that happen in this story because the church, prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Number one, when we practice persistent praying, it will orchestrate celestial deliverance. The Bible says in verse number six that Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and the keepers before the door kept the prison. Verse seven, and behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him. What about that? And a light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he said unto him, Cast thy garment about thee and follow me. And he went out and followed him. And wist not that it was true, which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. When they were past the first and second ward, they came and the iron gate leading to the city, which opened. The Bible says that the angel departed from him in verse number 10. We hear it often, but I want to reiterate this tonight. Prayer moves the heart that moves the hand that moves the world. When you and I pray, we recruit the power of heaven. Now these church people had about as much ability to get Peter out of prison as Peter had to get out himself. So what did they do? They prayed, the Bible says, they prayed without ceasing unto God for him. That's called intercessory prayer. That's what it is. That is somebody interceding to God on somebody else's behalf. And the devil will tell you and he'll tell me that it's a waste of time and it don't work. But it does work because when people pray, when the church prays, God begins to orchestrate a celestial deliverance that only God could do. In fact, in Daniel chapter number six, I thought when I was reading that, I thought, I think I remember something in Daniel. Remember when Daniel was thrown into the lion's den? Well, he was thrown into a den of lions. There's a difference. This lion's den had lions in it. Amen. He was thrown into a den of lions. And old, oh, the king couldn't sleep all night. He got up early the next morning and ran down there and he said, Daniel, Daniel, did you make it through the night okay? I'm paraphrasing. Daniel, you all right? You all right? You know, Daniel said, Daniel said in Daniel 6, 22, my God has sent his angel and has shut the lion's mouth that they have not hurt me. Now, what do you suppose maybe got God to move heaven and send an angel to deliver Daniel? Could it possibly have been the fact that Daniel prayed? Come on now. He prayed persistently. The king even passed the law and said, you can't pray to anybody but me for 30 days. And Daniel said, that's what you think. Watch me, I'm gonna keep praying like I've always prayed to the same God I've always prayed to. And that persistent praying caused God to send an angel from heaven. Well, y'all sure are taking this good. Darius, I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> I, slept, I slept like a log last night. Only thing I've ever known, and I hear them lion's stomach rumble. 
Other than that, I slept like a baby. God sent an angel to shut the lion's mouths. What happened? Persistent praying orchestrates celestial deliverance. All I'm saying is that when we pray, God does things that he would not normally do. Now you can think that them praying in verse number five has nothing to do with this story, that we could take verse number five out of this story and the story would read the same. But I doubt it very seriously or it wouldn't be in there. Come on now. When we practice persistent praying, we orchestrate celestial deliverance. There have been times, and before I get to start going, if I start going down the list, I'm going to be here for two hours. In 2020, when we got a fine, and it was, only, it, was only, it was only $500, it was only $500. I got that much in my piggy bank. That wasn't the point. That wasn't the point. I probably had 50 people offer to pay the fine. I said, I ain't paying the fine. If it's 50 cents, we're not paying it. I'm not paying a fine for going to church in America. This ain't Pakistan. This ain't Iran. This ain't North Korea. We're in America, bless goodness. And I ain't paying a fine for going to church. But I ain't gonna lie to you. There was a few times where the devil said, you think you and your little church can go up against the machine in Baltimore County in Maryland. You're playing against a stacked deck. There ain't no way in the world you can compete with them. There ain't no way in the world you can go up against them. And I had to remind myself, and a few times I had to remind the devil, I didn't have no intention of going against them myself. I didn't have no intention of going against them, just me and my church. I prayed and got God in on it, amen. And God won the battle. God, give us deliverance. It's what you do when you can't do it by yourself. You pray and let God do it. Orchestrate celestial deliverance. Number two, when we practice persistent praying, it will open closed doors. Boy, I tell you, verse number seven, verse number eight, verse number nine is amazing. But when you get down to verse number 10, they were past the first and second ward. Now they had soldiers and keepers, the Bible says in verse number six, they had keepers before the door. They kept the prison. Are y'all seeing this? Right. So they had 16 soldiers, two of them was in the bed chained to Peter. So you gotta assume the other 14 standing guard outside all these doors. I'm honest with you, a ninja couldn't have got out of there. Nobody could get out of there, humanly speaking. I mean, these are doors with locks. And if it wasn't hard enough to get through the first ward into the second ward, then the Bible goes and is very specific and tells us that there was an iron gate. And the devil, listen to me, the devil will put before the people of God, he will put before you, he will put before the church, he will put before our missionaries, he will put before them an ironclad door that humanly speaking, there is no way in the world we're gonna get through this. Missionaries trying to get visas to country. They've been told a hundred times, you can't get a visa. And you know what God does? God gives them a visa so they can get in. Right. Trying to find a place to rent a church. And everybody says, you can't find a place to rent a church. Nobody's going to rent you a building in this city. Nobody's going to rent you a, a, a room or a building in this country for you to start a church in. And they put something in their prayer letter and they send it out to their prayer churches and the people start praying and they go back. And next thing you know, they're renting a building, got a sign up front. What happened? Prayer, persistent prayer opens closed doors. That's what happens. That's what happened. Somebody you want a witness to? Every time you try to witness to it, the devil throws a monkey wrench in it. Tell you what you do, you bathe that in prayer. God will open the door and let you find a way to talk to him. 
He sure will. I've watched God open doors in the last two years. Absolutely blows my mind. It blows my mind. I'm preaching Friday in Naples, Florida. It's not even a church. It's not even a church event. It's not even a religious event. It is a patriotic event. And there's going to be 200 people in there that paid $500 a piece, VIP, to get in there. And they said, we want you to come and we want you to preach like you preached in that video when you tore up that cease and desist. We want you to preach like that. They said, no holes barred, uncensored. I said, that's pretty much how I preach, no holes barred. If there's a censored message out there, I want somebody to give me a copy of it. I don't know about it. And they're putting me up in a motel. They want me to bring my books and CDs. And they're going to let me preach for 30 minutes to a bunch of probably rich people that's down there to get up there and go, Woo, I love my country. And I'm going to spend about five minutes saying I love my country too. You know what I'm going to do. I'm going to spend about six or seven minutes, throw a little red meat out there and get them all fired up about America. And then I'm going to go to 2 Chronicles 7, 14 and talk about the real solution to this problem is God's people has got to turn back to God. Amen. You want to do it God's way? You want me to come down here and preach about doing it God's way? Let's start with the Romans road and getting saved, amen? Because if you're going to get to heaven, you've got to do it God's way. And if God's going to accept the sin revival in this country, it's not going to be through a political party or some political candidate. It's going to be when God's people get back to persistent praying and living right. That's what's going to get it done. They say, we want you to preach. I think the guy's Catholic. He, he, he loves me to death. And God has opened a door. Are y'all getting this? I'm so far out of my element down there, it ain't even funny. I'm going to be so far out, I'm like a fish out of water when it comes to the Bible and, and Christianity and theology, but God has opened the door. I was talking to somebody yesterday, they said, how in the world did you get invited to that thing? I said, I tore up a cease and desist. That's what I did. That's what I did. I tore a piece of paper. What am I saying? I'm saying that when we pray and practice persistent praying and we should decide we're just going to do what God called us to do and keep being persistent. God will open closed doors. They didn't have to push on the doors. They didn't have to get a pry bar out. They didn't have to beg, bar, and steal keys. God opened the doors and he didn't just open the doors. The, the soldiers standing there didn't even see it happen. Right. Fascinating. Fascinating. In fact, it was so surreal Peter said, I'm having a dream. I'm having a vision. And the Bible says he came to himself. He's standing out on the street going, what just happened? Yeah. I went to sleep, had chains on me, sleeping between, between two old hairy, stinking Roman soldiers, and I'm standing out here on the street. How did I get here? What just happened? There's a trail of open doors, and he's free. The Bible says, and when he, when he came to himself, he said, I bet you I know what happened. I guarantee you they called a prayer meeting. <laughs> oh, verse 12, and when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary. Why didn't he go to his house? Because he had a funny feeling. They was over there praying. <laughs> this is awesome, ain't it? Persistent praying open closed doors. By the way, prayer still opens closed doors. Paul said in Colossians 4, 3, here's what Paul said. You ready? With all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds. Paul says, I am in jail 
for preaching. But would you do me a favor? Would y'all pray for me that God would open doors? <laughs> I need some doors open. Would y'all please pray? Are y'all getting this? Praying opens doors. Number three, I'm hurrying. Actually, I'm not hurrying, but I say that because it makes your brain think I am and then you kind of relax a little bit. Number three, when we practice persistent praying, it will overcome carnal doubts. Now, we gotta, we gotta give it to them, all right? They're praying without ceasing, verse five. They're praying, the church is praying without ceasing unto God for him. The Bible says in verse number 12 that many were gathered together praying. Many were gathered together praying. It's on up in the night. It's, I mean, everybody else is asleep, okay? Peter was asleep. It's in the middle of the night and there's a whole house full of Christians over there gathered together praying for God to spare Peter. Am I right? Yet when Peter knocks on the door, Rhoda comes over there and she sees that it's Peter and she gets excited. The Bible says she was glad. She ran back in the living room where everybody's praying. They got their prayer sheets all sprawled out on the floor. Oh God, I pray that you'd please deliver old Peter. Lord, we can't make it without Peter. Lord, he's he served you. Lord, he's done wonderful things for you. Would you please see fit somehow to deliver him from the prison? They said, hey, he's standing outside the door. They said, you're out of your mind. You're mad. No, he's outside. Would you stop interrupting us? We're trying to pray to God to deliver Peter. They said he's outside on the front porch. They said you're crazy. You know what that sounds like to me? The average independent Baptist prayer meeting. That's what it sounds like. And I, this, is, this, is, this has been on my mind since yesterday morning. I have beat my brain against the wall. Because the Bible says that if you don't pray, if you pray without faith, that he's not going to answer your prayer. But he answered their prayer. And the only thing, Brother Kevin, that makes sense is that all them people together praying in that house together had about as much faith as the size of a mustard seed. <laughs> God looked down in that house full of people praying. He said, yeah, I believe there's enough faith in there between all of them. I probably can go ahead and pull this one off, amen without breaking my rules. What am I saying? Pray even when you have a hard time believing. Keep praying. When, you're, when, you're, when your brain is saying, it's, it ain't gonna work, when your heart is saying, you're wasting your time, just keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. Somehow or another, God saw fit to answer the prayer that was prayed with doubt. And all I can say is he's done that a few times for me too. Let me give you an example right quick. March of 2020, I saw the handwriting on the wall, shutting down churches. They're fixing to shut down churches. It's been my experience when you don't have people at church, the offerings go. And I said, man, we, we, uh, we got staff. We got all these people on staff, and I felt responsible to, to, to see about them, take care of them. I asked them to come here. Amen. That's the church's responsibility, but I'm the one that asked them to come. And I said, man, God, you're going to have to do something. If the offerings drop, I don't want to start letting people go. So I, I called up a friend of mine that's got a building business, and I said, uh, 
I need to talk to you. He came sitting in my office. I said, listen, I don't know what's going to happen. They're talking about shutting down churches. They're talking about people not being able to go to church for a while. I don't know what's going to happen. But I, I, I need to line up something. Have you got any construction work that you could pass off to me? And me and all these guys on staff, we'll just put our blue jeans and work boots on, hang our ties on the rack, and we'll go to work if we have to. I don't want to be a burden on the church. They got families to feed. He said, yeah, I got a three-story deck to build a million-dollar house on the water. I'm building a three-story deck all the way around the both sides and the back of the house. I said, I can do that. I've done that before. He said, all right, Dad. He said, do you know how to do brick paver driveways? I looked over at Brother Replogo. He said, yeah, I've done a few. I said, yeah, we can do brick layer driveways. <laughs> <laughs> and we just went down this list, and I got thousands and thousands of dollars of work lined up. And I said, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm just trying to get my ducks in a row here. I'm trying to be proactive, which I think is fine. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But then I turned around and went and got on my knees. I said, God, would you please do me a favor and make me not to build that three-story deck on the back of that house when my back hurting as bad as it is. Lord, would you please see fit somehow, some way to keep meeting the needs of the church and have the offerings and everything. Lord, I, Lord, I plead, plead, Lord, would you do that? And the whole time I'm sitting here meeting with all of our guys, we all sit in my office. They, they remember the meeting. I said, we may have to go to work. And I ain't too good to work. I ain't scared to work. It don't bother me. I said, we'll do whatever we got to do. But I was praying for God to meet the needs. And I started watching the offerings, and the offerings started doing that. And the offerings went up. And they just kept going up, and they kept going up. And I called him back after about two weeks. I said, um, I don't know what to tell you, but you might need to find somebody else to build that deck. I said, I think we're probably going to keep doing what we're doing. God's meeting the need. Come on now. Was I praying with doubt? Yeah. I kind of a little bit was. Somehow or another, God still answered the prayer. We prayed persistent prayer, and in spite of our doubts, God overcome our doubts. That's all I'm saying. Even when we struggle sometimes to believe. Lastly, I'm going to give you this, and I'm done. I'm probably over time. Number four, when we practice persistent praying, will outlive the corrupt detractors. You know how the chapter ends? Peter's alive and Herod's dead. That's how the story ends. I'm telling you what, in this king, he's so filthy, dirty, stinking, rotten. He's so rotten. He's so corrupt and so rotten, God pulled the mask off of him and he died in a pile of worms. That's what worms eat Stuff that's dead and rotten on the side of the road. Herod was so rotten and so corrupt and he was so wicked, God pulled his mouth. I mean, he had on his fancy robe and his crown, got up and gave his fancy speech and everybody said, oh, that's the voice of a God. And the Bible says he failed to give God glory. And the one that was trying to destroy the church died and the one that he was trying to destroy lived on. Come on now. Look at what your Bible says in verse 23. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him because he gave not God the glory. And he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. Verse 24. But the word of God grew and multiplied. 
And in the very next chapter, Brother Bettner, they started their missions program. The very next chapter, God called, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I've called them. And they thought that they could destroy. They were talking about the expected collapse and ruin of the church. Instead of an expected collapse, there was an expanding church. I saw something else that really tickled me. I laughed out loud in my office. <laughs> because the angel of the Lord in verse number seven smote Peter. In verse number 23, the angel of the Lord smote Herod. The difference is the angel that smote Peter woke him up. The angel that smote Herod put him to sleep. <laughs> The angel that smote Peter delivered him. The angel that smote Herod destroyed him. How you like them apples? <laughs> I love this Bible. It's so fun preaching this thing. The very man that had spent all of his time trying to destroy the church was himself destroyed. But Peter lived on, church lived on, word of God grew and was multiplied. And you can say what you want to, but I believe without question. The key to this chapter is verse number five. The church made prayer without ceasing unto God. I believe that was the catalyst that made this whole story go the way it did. With heads bowed and eyes closed tonight, I wonder, I wonder tonight, has God spoken to your heart during this message about your prayer life? Have you been consistent? Have you been persistent? Have you been guilty of just throwing your hands up and saying it, don't, it, it doesn't matter? What is, what, what's going to happen is going to happen. It is what it is. There's nothing we can do. Let's just sit back, ride this thing out. Jesus is coming back. Let's just pray for Jesus to come back. And you've allowed those things to prevent you from having an effectual and persistent prayer life. Now, I'm preaching to a bunch of independent Baptists, and I know good and well that there needs to be more than six people in this altar tonight. I preached on prayer tonight. That's one of the weakest areas in our Christian life for many Christians is prayer. Are you, are, you, are, you, are, you, are you praying persistently? Are you praying faithfully in spite of the overwhelming odds and in spite of all the things around us? Are you trying to work it out yourself? Some of you some of you's got a sledgehammer beating on that door. Won't you pray and let God open it? Or not open it. Let God handle it. You just pray. Some of you trying to fix all these problems in your own power, working yourself into a lather, losing sleep, getting ulcers. Why don't you pray? Why don't you gather together with some of God's people and give it to God? We're starting off a new year. Lord knows this year we need to pray. Because I'm going to be honest with you, I'm fresh out of ideas. We're back to the drawing board. We're back to the book of Acts. We're back to doing it God's way. The church right now needs to pray if we're going to cut through all this opposition. And it's going to get way worse. It's going to get way worse. It's been pretty easy, pretty mild at this point. The devil's not going to stop. He will proceed further. You can mark it down. Calvary Baptist Church has not fought their last battle. And I was thinking when I was working on this message, Lord, please help us not have to get in another legal battle and get people back on their knees praying. Help us not get in another situation where we're overwhelmed with the odds against us. 